Today's reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verses 1 through to 15. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means, and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that, as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it, so that by your eagerness so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable, according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. Here in Sereni. Well, let's pray. O Lord our God, you have given your word to be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. As we hear your voice now through your word, may we be attentive to you, open to hearing your call and being willing to respond, that we may live always for your glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I wonder if anyone has ever given you something outrageously extravagant or deeply personal and meaningful? How did you respond? Well, for my 40th birthday a while back, my godsons, who were very little at the time, drew pictures that their mother incorporated into a quilted hanging. And I was so touched by their planning, the images that they thought to draw, and the love that was sewn into each stitch. 
My response was to hug them and to keep thanking them profusely, to display their gift where I could see it every day, and to keep treasuring it. Well, we're turning our attention this week to the topic of giving. And as we consider the passage uh, that Kate read to us from 2 Corinthians 8, we're going to see what Paul has to say on this matter. So you might like to have your Bibles open at at page 941 to follow along. Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, and he was asking them to support the Christians in Jerusalem. They had likely been ostracized socially and economically following their conversion from Judaism. And there was a famine in Judea in AD 46 due to overpopulation. Having to pay Jewish and Roman taxes as well probably didn't help. And so they needed financial assistance from the Christian community further afield. And so in verses in chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians, Paul turns his attention to this and considers how the wider church could help. And so as we look through what Paul says to us, we're going to focus on three things today. Be loving, be generous, and be cheerful. Firstly, Paul encourages the Corinthians to respond to the love and grace of Jesus. As we learned a couple of weeks ago, it's only because God loves us and has shown his love for us in Jesus that we are able to love. God has shown his love for us in the extravagant gift of his son, whose sacrifice on the cross and rising to new life has enabled us to have a relationship with the almighty God. Jesus left the comfort and perfection of heaven to humble himself here on earth, living as one of us. He did this because he loves us, you and me. His gift is personal. It's extravagant. It has everlasting consequences. Our English translations mask this, but the Greek word for grace, charis, is used in the passage that we read earlier five times. And Philip Yancey, in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, says of grace, Grace means there is nothing that I can do to make God love me more, and nothing I can do to make God love me less. It means that I, even I, who deserve the opposite, am invited to take my place at the table of God's family. So what's our response? Paul tells us that the Macedonian church responded by giving themselves first to the Lord ahead of all other things. And following loving God, their response leads them to love their fellow Christians 
their family in Christ. Their wealth is found in the richness and fullness of life with Christ. This is what puts the rest of life into perspective. As I've continued to grow in my faith, I've learned that we should have the correct motive to give. We must give to the glory of God alone. And the best way to ensure this is to be totally committed to Jesus Christ. When Paul talks about the Macedonian churches in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5, he says, And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. The most important thing to Paul was not that the Macedonians gave their money to others. It was that they gave their lives to God. And then he goes on to encourage the Corinthians to excel in the grace of giving. The giving to the needy church in Jerusalem is an expression of the gospel itself in the lives of those who've already shown repentance and received salvation. Participating in this collection was an act of fellowship that meant they were becoming more like Jesus. So in response to who Jesus is and what he has done for us by grace, we love him and we love others. Having received from God, we give to others. Having been accepted by God as Christians, we are in fellowship with other believers and accept one another. We're called to be loving. Secondly, we're called to be generous. God has richly blessed us, primarily in the gift of salvation through Jesus, but also in the ways in which he sustains us. We are particularly blessed here in Melbourne. Melbourne is the 17th richest city in the world. And even though we have poverty around us, we are in the richest 10% when we compare ourselves on a worldwide basis. We are abundantly blessed. So we can be generous because God has blessed us. When I was growing up, my parents used to give me pocket money each week. In those days in Scotland, it was about 20 pence a week. They were Christians, and so as we went to church each week, they would encourage my brother and me to put some money into the offertory bowl as we entered church. This money came from our pocket money. So church used to get 10 pence a week from me. Well, even though these amounts were small, the example of my parents and their encouragement of me made me realize that giving to God was a part of worship each week and was not separate to everything else that I did in my Christian life. It was an important part of it and recognized God's provision of all that I had. As I've grown as a Christian, 
I've realized even more what God has given me. He's an amazing and generous God who's provided for me in every way possible. No more so than when we hear from Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God loves us so much that he has provided us with everything we have. And over time, I've found that my desire is to recognize that and give thanks for that by giving some of that back to him as an expression of my trust in his provision. Really, nothing is too much to give to God after what he's given us. So my contributions to his service have increased a bit since those 10 pence days. Paul encourages the Corinthians to follow the example of the Macedonians. Now the Macedonians weren't as wealthy as the Corinthians, and yet they've overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They also gave voluntarily. This is important. Paul never commands the Corinthians to give. Their generosity should stem from their response to God's grace. But Paul sees the response of the church in Corinth to God's grace through their faith and speech and knowledge, through their spiritual gifts in which they excel. He sees that their heart is committed to Jesus, that they seek to give God the glory. So what does it mean to be generous? How much is generous? What if I'm on a pension or I only get pocket money so I don't have much disposable income? Well, you might have heard of tithing, the Old Testament concept of putting the first 10% of your crops or livestock aside for God. This is a great concept as it shows our priorities. It seeks to respond to God's love before we do anything else for ourselves. But there's no hard and fast rule for us. And Paul encourages the Corinthians that he doesn't want them to become poor themselves in order to support the church in Jerusalem. He also reminds them in verse 15, the last verse that we read, of how God provided for the Israelites in the desert with manna, what they needed each day. He reminds them to trust God as they consider their generosity. Recently, I was chatting with some friends about giving and heard about a couple of examples of how people decide how much to give. These examples have challenged me afresh, and so I wanted to share them with you. One guy, on receiving that God, on, on realizing that God will provide for his needs, decides how much he needs to live on and gives the rest away. Another person has decided that every time they purchase something other than the basic necessities for themselves, for example, a, a new app subscription or books or an overseas holiday, 
they will give away the same amount to God's work. It's something that we need to discuss with God. And no doubt all our situations are different. However, we can ask God for guidance about how much is the right amount for us to give. But then there's the question, well, what to give to? Paul, in these chapters in 2 Corinthians, is focusing on giving to the church and to support fellow believers. There are so many things that we can give to, but I use this as a principle for how I decide what to support. I figure that there are plenty of people out there who can support charities and other causes that help those in need without a gospel focus. I therefore focus on giving money to the church and to organizations that support Christians or those in need, but through a gospel-focused charity. For me, I decide at the beginning of the year how much my plan giving for the year is going to be. I then split it between various areas of ministry, between church, missionary organizations, Christian aid agencies, ministry to children, and training of people for ordained or lay ministry. There are also unplanned opportunities that arise during the year where God gives me a heart to give, whether it's to Christian friends in need or to particular world events that demand a compassionate and generous response for those of us who are called to follow Christ and his example. And if I get any unexpected income during the year, then I consider that a gift from God and will give some of it back to him in thankfulness. So in response to God's grace, we are to be loving and to be generous. We're also to be cheerful. In chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, Paul continues to reflect on this matter of financial support. And once again, he reasserts that this is not a command. It's a response to God's love. If our attitude is not cheerful as we give, or we give under duress, then we're not really giving in response to God's love. Paul's primary concern is not the budget but the fruition of genuine grace in the lives of believers. So whilst this sermon is about giving, there's a chance that you might see it as we come to our annual parish meeting as a veiled or not so veiled attempt to encourage you to give more to the church. But if you give in response to this sermon and not in response to Jesus' grace and generosity, then I'd rather you not give. But if in response to God's grace, you do want to give, and you aren't already supporting the work of God here in Baldwin financially, you can find the details of how to do so on our website or on the welcome leaflets at the back of the church. And if you already give as 
Most of you do. But God's Spirit is moving you to respond further to his grace. Then you can always review and adjust your giving. I constantly pray for a generous heart that recognizes that all I have comes from God and therefore that I'm, what I'm doing is looking after it for him. Therefore, I should use what he has given me in the way that honors him. Our consideration of this passage has emphasized that our attitude in giving is more important than the amount of the gift. Paul never establishes a standard for giving, only the standard of giving. He stresses that the Macedonians' generosity derived from their joy. Their joy did not derive from their generosity. The progression of thought in verse 2 of chapter 8 is from grace to joy to giving, not the other way around. Their giving was an expression of God's grace, not their own moral or spiritual virtue. They gave to others because they were already experiencing overflowing joy from God. Since God's grace is the springboard for our giving, even our gifts rebound to God's glory. The only real giver is God. How will we respond to God's grace. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we are overwhelmed by the depth of your love shown to us in your Son, Jesus. We are so grateful that all we have comes from you. We worship and adore you. We delight in experiencing your grace and our hearts are filled with abundant joy. May we respond to your grace and love by loving you and our fellow believers, by being generous and by giving cheerfully. May all we do bring honor to your name and bring you glory. For we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.